Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Sandra Kuz. Sandra is a holistic trauma coach, TIR facilitator, spiritual development coach, Reiki master teacher, advanced soul realignment practitioner, meditation teacher, spiritual and holistic writer, and holistic jewelry designer. Her passion and dedication for trauma healing was born as a result of her own traumatic past. Molested as a child, sexually assaulted, and raped as a young adult, Sandra felt lost for many years until she found peace and purpose in spirituality. She studied Reiki and other healing modalities and was able to fully transform and heal her emotional pain. Sandra began to understand the effects trauma can have on the entire body and recognized patterns and behaviors similar in her clients and discovered a roadmap to successful trauma healing. Today, Sandra helps trauma survivors heal and overcome their emotional pain, take back their lives, rise above their story, and discover who they truly are. So is it possible to rise above your story? My next guest will show you that you absolutely can. She's overcome so many betrayals that had her questioning her worth, even her sanity. But when she made the decision to rise above and heal, that's exactly what she did. Get ready to learn some strategies you can start using today to heal. Here's Sandra. Okay, everybody. So we have Sandra Kuz today, and she's going to be talking about rising above your story. And when it comes to betrayal, oh, some of these stories can be really powerful and and really painful, but you are about to meet someone who has truly risen above and she's going to share exactly what happened and what she did to do just that. So welcome, Sandra. Thank you. I'm so I'm glad to be there. Uh, well, we're glad to have you. So, you know, as a holistic trauma coach and, and you had mentioned TIR, which we're going to be getting into for sure. Tell us about what is a trauma coach? And then I want to dive into why you would want to be a trauma coach. Well, a trauma coach is, as it says in the word, someone who is helping people who have been dealing with trauma to truly transform and heal it. It's different from counseling and psychotherapy because in those fields, trauma survivors learn more to cope with what happened, to live their lives despite of the trauma. Whereas as a trauma coach, I help them to truly let go so that they can really rise above and find yeah, get back on their lives and live happy, successful, fulfilled lives without the trauma hanging over them. Mm. And, and that's so important because betrayal can be so painful. And, yeah. and we don't, we know, why should we learn how to manage it? We should learn how to heal. So let's just, you know, what would motivate you then to become a trauma coach? Well, becoming a trauma coach um, felt like a purpose. Because I've been through trauma, I understand trauma, I've felt it myself, and I also understood what it means to let it go and how you feel when you truly let it go and say, it doesn't bother me anymore. Sometimes when I tell my story, I have to remind myself that this is my story because I have no emotional connection to it anymore at all. It's just part of my life. Mm. And that's what inspires me to help others to get to that point as well. So I want everybody listening to understand, imagine feeling, and I don't know what stage of betrayal you're at right now, if it, if it, you know, you've been blindsided recently, or if this is decades old, but imagine getting to that point where uh, 
there's no emotion with it. It's a, it's, a, it's a memory. It's an experience without the memory. You know, I remember one of my mentors saying, an experience without the pain is wisdom. And it sounds like that's exactly uh, the point that you're at. C- can you share your story with us? Yes, of course. Well, I was molested when I was 12 years old. And this in itself wasn't the worst part. The worst part was, for me, was how I was treated afterwards. I mean, luckily, my family believed me. So I was one of the lucky ones. But I don't feel that I received the care that I needed. I mean, my mother told me, don't go there anymore. Now, as I was younger, I was angry. I was upset. I didn't understand why she didn't go to the police or confront the dead man or do anything. But now, as having healed my own trauma, I understand that my mother just did not know what to do with this information. She, yeah, she was, she didn't know how to help me because this was something she never thought would ever happen. Now, did she know this person? No. Well, yes, he was the stable master where I was taking care of a little pony that my mom made possible for me. And I think she probably also felt guilty because she put me in that situation without knowing because a child molester does not have it written on their forehead because those people have to be nice in order to get close to children and their family to gain their trust. So, so what did that do with your relationship with your, with your mom? And how did, you, how did you work through that? I mean, how did you work through your, your feelings with your mom and then handling that betrayal? Well, it was a process. I mean, I have a really great relationship with my mom. I always had. But it took me a while to understand her point of view. So I was, I was a little resentful. Like I stopped really telling my parents important things mm-hmm. because I felt like no one was listening. I mean, the, the molestation was really only the first thing that happened. So if I go back into my story to explain a little more the relationship with my parents, mm-hmm. it's when I was 14, I was sexually assaulted. And it was not taken real seriously, mostly because this man was known for just having joy of touching a woman's breast. Mm-hmm. He was a restaurant owner in a hotel that we went to every year in Austria. And it was known that he just is like that. And it's all he did. He was not like trying to get close to the woman, but I was 14 mm-hmm. and I kept telling him, no, don't touch me. And he ignored that. He thought it was funny. And when my mom came, I ran to her and said, mom, he is trying to touch me. I don't want that. And she tried to play down the situation because she didn't want to cause probably big trouble in this whole relationship and said, she's too young to understand that you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And to me, she was saying, well, this is nothing bad. He does that to everyone. So she was but kind of minimizing me, it. And this was the, yes. second, the second time now that something exactly. happened you and you went to your mom. So, you, you know, earlier you said, this is one of the better examples because I've, I've definitely heard, and I know I've, I've spoken with people on the show about how their parents either ignored it, denied it. And here, you know, your mom seems to, acknowledge it, but you're not feeling that you're getting the support that you need. Exactly. That was the point where I stopped 
talking about things that happened to me because I felt like I wouldn't get any help at all. And I felt very belittled, even as a 14-year-old. But today I understand that my mom must have had trauma in her, by herself, like with authority figures, with men, like being taught to be quiet. I mean, we grew up in Germany, a defeated country. So people were raised differently there. Like, so, so not what to did, speak up and right. So. And what did what did it have you believe about yourself? I mean, because now you've had two incidences where you were, you know, you were violated, and and what beliefs were starting to to become formed because of this? That me as a woman, I wasn't important. Yeah, basically, and that men didn't respect me, and it was a continued occurrency. I was sexually assaulted again in the workplace when I was 18. Then I was raped when I was 22. I didn't even tell my parents about that. Oh, wow. So and you see, I felt like men could just do whatever they wanted without consequence. Mm -hmm. That's the belief I grew up with. Okay. So now here you are, you're 22. You've had these experiences. What was the, what was, I don't know if it's a breaking point or what was the moment where you saw how these experiences and the beliefs behind it and everything was just contributing to this real negative downward spiral. What happened after that? Well, the turning point was after I went to the psychologist. I went to see one about two years after I was raped because I was in a really dark place and I didn't want to be there. I wanted help. I wanted to feel better like myself again. Mm -hmm. So I went to the psychologist and talked to him for an hour about everything that happened. And he looked at me and said, I think you already worked through it all. What am I supposed to do? Mm. So this was the last straw for me. I just dropped into a deep, dark hole and I was miserable. Then I had a friend who was very into spirituality something that I had never heard of at that time. I was 24. Mm -hmm. So, and he one day just stood in front of me, had his hands on his hips and said, get a quartz crystal already. <laughs> and I had no idea what, what that meant, why I should get a crystal, why I should get a rock. So, but I did as he asked because I was like, you know, I tried everything else. Why not? So I got a crystal and he told me I should take it to bed with me every night and meditate. I had no idea what meditation meant, but I just took it to bed, held it in my hand, and fell asleep. Mm -hmm. But lo and behold, within three months, I felt better. I felt lighter. Sometimes I woke up, and I was happy when I woke up. Mm -hmm. So, And what I learned from him was that the quartz crystal pulls out negative energy and guides positive energy. And so basically, while I was sleeping, the crystal was slowly pulling out some of that negative energy that was attached to all the traumas. Mm -hmm. that's that like, was the turning point that's like the best kind of multitasking <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes it here, is here you are sleeping and this and this crystal is just doing this wonderful work so now as you were starting to feel better did you did you realize the crystal had something to do with it or were you like were you questioning like how could a crystal possibly be be contributing to me feeling better like what was going on in in your mind well no i had no doubt it was the crystal Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand it, but I was hooked. I wanted to know more, which was my introduction to spirituality. 
So I started looking up more about crystals and I got into tarot and everything that everybody who starts on spiritual path gets into. I was trying out different modalities until I found the, the right one for me. And, and I want to stop you there. What were some of the ones that you tried and what did you find really worked for you? Um, well, first thing that I did was look into it in Nordic mythology, like Thor and Odin and all that, because I had a friend whose father was big into that. Mm -hmm. He was into runes and nature and everything. And it was interesting. And I studied with him for a couple of years, but I felt it was not the right path. Mm -hmm. Then I looked into witchcraft because at some point everybody's intrigued by that, mm -hmm. but that was not my thing at all. So I was like, hmm, okay, who am I? And that's when I realized that whenever I look at my hands, they tingled. I was like, okay, so I have to do something with my hands because they don't tingle for no reason. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand it at that point, but one day my dad had um, a lot of pain from carpal tunnel syndrome. And I was like, okay, let me try something. So I put my hand over his wrist and my hand got hot, burning hot. And, but when I took it away, he said, my pain is gone. Oh, wow. That was before I heard about Reiki. So mm -hmm. that was before I knew anything about energy healing. It was just an instinct. So then I thought, okay, so this is what I should look into. And then I met my husband, came to Canada. And people over here are so different from how they used to be in Germany. It's a very open spirituality and exploration and everything and so I met my, my Reiki master and three months later I was a master and it was a feeling as if I had come home after a long journey. Wow. And, and, and from you, there the healing process started. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to share with everybody. So what this is, and this is so common, I hear this all the time, that you just, if you're willing, willingness is always the big word, if you're willing to just explore some, some ideas and explore spirituality, which has such a huge place in healing, and if you're open, you really will be guided. And you'll, you know, if you trust your inner wisdom that says, hey, this feels right, this doesn't feel right, it sounds like you were absolutely intuitively led to Reiki. And that just, that just felt good. And then there's something about, you know, you could see the confidence starting to build as you're doing these new things, which, which you're noticing, they're helping you heal, you're feeling better and it's just a win-win. So what did that lead to? Well, that led to me starting to go out there and practicing Reiki. I mean, the more I practiced, the more I learned, the more I understood what it really is because it's so much more than a healing modality. Mm -hmm. It's basically the beginning of a spiritual journey. Whenever I have clients who ask me, how can I go into spirituality? I'm just like study Reiki. Mm -hmm. This is the foundation. Everything builds up on that. So as I started to have more clients, I noticed that after the sessions, we were always sitting down and talking about the session and they started talking to me about issues they had in their life. And just sitting there and talking with them and helping to f help them to figure out things that they couldn't see, this made me so happy. Mm -hmm. So I wanted more of that, just sitting there and talking and supporting them on their journey. 
whatever so, that journey was. Right. So you're already doing the Reiki and now you find that you're kind of coaching. And I'll tell you, I just want to share with everybody. I did uh, three Reiki sessions in my day and because I was so desperate for relief from horrible neck and back issues I was having. I didn't want to have the surgery that was recommended or the epidural and all these things. I mean, every, every, uh, my nerves were complete. I had out of the seven cervical discs, uh, x-rays showed that six out of seven were pressing on the nerves. So the pain was just awful. And, and it's amazing because I tried so many different things and I'll never forget in those Reiki sessions how they weren't, the woman wasn't even touching me and I got up off the table feeling like dizzy and nauseous and exhausted and really like something major had gone on and the next day I felt really good. So this is real. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. even though no one's touching you, there is so much that's going on. And, and in just those three sessions, I, I, I was shocked at how responsive I was to it. But okay, so, go, so I just wanted to explain my own Reiki sessions here that I've had. So okay, so now you're sort of coaching people. What did that lead to? Um, this led to me wanting doing more of the coaching. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to coach on because from a business point of view, I knew that I needed a niche. Mm-hmm. So the more healing I did for myself, the more I understood how trauma works within the body. So and then I came across somatic psychology. Somatic psychology is based on a belief that trauma works, that trauma affects the whole body which is true because when you're sexually assaulted, your body will always remember the touch. Mm -hmm. Your emotion will always remember how you felt. Your spirit will always remember the violation, the spiritual violation. And and you know what? And somatic psychology, this this somatic healing is so important because this is the body-based practices where this trauma gets lodged in the cells. Can you give some examples of somatic practices or something that – people can do or that you that, that you teach your clients or, on how to release this trauma? Well, the first thing I tell my clients is when a trigger comes up, embrace it. Because the trigger is basically a nudge from your whole system saying this is something that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people resent the triggers because they lash out, they feel horrible and don't understand why. Mm-hmm. I used to be at that point, but now when a trigger comes up, I say, yay, something else that wants to be released. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I embrace it and I say, okay, show me where the root cause of this trigger is so I can work on that. And, and this is a tough one because a lot of people, and I get it because I've been there, this, these triggers are so painful and they, you feel them physically. I mean, your, your body is responding physically. So let's say you do address it. What do you do? with that feeling when i do address it well if i do it for myself i follow it i follow the emotion and basically i have my eyes closed and just feel into the emotion and when you do that then usually after a little while a picture comes up from where this emotion comes from so the memory is coming up and then i look at the memory and say okay why was i triggered there like from all angles, I'm analyzing it. So I'm not allowing it to take me over, but I'm analyzing. Mm-hmm. I'm dissociating from it, which takes a little time to practice the dissociation. But um, it gets easier with time. 
And when I do it with a client, I do the same thing. I walk them through. I walk them towards the root cause of this trigger, let them get associated with it, and then dissociate and just look what happened. So tell me the story. Mm-hmm. And then we work through the story and basically pick it apart step by step. Mm-hmm. And is that, and in working through the story, is that how it's being with your work? Is that how it's being released in the, from the body? Or is there something else you do like shaking it out or tapping or something, something else? It really depends greatly on my client. If my client is very spiritual, has heard of EFT or has heard of meditation, is interested in Reiki, then yes, I will use those modalities as well. But if a client is like very, nah, I don't know if I believe that, then it's strictly through coaching and communication. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit before uh, before we started you know, our, our conversation about traumatic incident uh, re- reduction. Yeah. Can you talk a yes. little bit about that? What is it and what does it do for the person who could benefit from it? Okay, well, TIR or traumatic incident reduction is a modality in the field of metapsychology. And metapsychology is a term that Freud used. So it's a Freudian modality. And um, it's basically providing a safe space for a person to work through their trauma, to analyze it and letting it go. What it means is it's going through repetition. So if a client would work with me, we would um, look at the trauma. We would unblock different aspects of it to take the charge, the emotions away from it so that we can safely look at it. And then I just say, okay, tell me the story. Then they tell me the story as they see it from beginning to end. Then I say, okay, now go back to the beginning and tell it to me again. And each time they're telling it, something new comes up that they haven't even thought about. And the more they talk about it, the more they're releasing. Mm -hmm. And this continues until that situation doesn't trigger them anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I did my class, we, of course, did practice sessions with other students. And I was amazed at what came up for me when I was going through one event. So explain to us, if you can, how do you feel the first time you share the story physically? What's going on? What are some of the, what are some of the physical symptoms that are, that are showing when you're talking about your story to the time where you feel that you're not getting that emotional charge? Well, it is a process. It depends on the severity of the story. Mm-hmm. Well, the stories I picked for practice purposes weren't so deep mm-hmm. because we as students didn't have the ability to really stay with that yet mm-hmm. at that time. So at first it was very mechanical, like I just talked about what happened and left it at that. And then I was going through it again talked about the same thing again, but I noticed different aspects of it, like something else came into my view that was there or what someone said and stuff. And then I did it again. And then I told the whole story again, but it started to shift. Like the focus shifted away from what I was talking and more to something that was hidden so far. And the more I talked about what was hidden, the more I started crying because I had an emotional release. Mm And at the end, the story was about something completely different than what I thought. But once that came up, I 
could leave the initial story that I talked completely out because all the charges were gone. It had no meaning for me anymore. And then I could start working on what actually was the problem. So, so this is just a practical question then. So let's say, so you spoke about this story. It really kind of evolved the more you spoke about it. Then you cried, which was the release. Now, let's say you were to talk about that same story, I don't know, a year or two from now. Does it, does, is, it, is this process the sort of thing where it just will never have that, char- that same charge? You won't cry about it anymore? You won't be uh, as physically upset or triggered by it? Well, the initial story of that whole situation, no, I have no issue with that anymore. That's resolved. Mm-hmm. But what I realized coming from that, I haven't worked through that yet because this is another session entirely, mm-hmm. because that goes even deeper. So with that, I just scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. but I understand that now and can already start working through that. Mm-hmm. So it's really uh, incredible. This, I love this modality. It's, you can really release anything. You can release a grudge you've had for decades. You can release trauma, like from sexual assault, from anything. So anything really that you need to release, you can release through this modality. Yeah. It sounds so interesting. So what's what's one approach that you could recommend to everybody listening? Something that they can implement right now to begin their healing? Get a quartz crystal. <laughs> Most definitely get a quartz crystal. Is, is there a certain also, kind like, that works more than another, or are they all the same? If well, different people have different opinions. I mean, for me, I prefer working with, unpolished one mm-hmm. but everybody's different so i say go with your gut mm-hmm. take the crystal that you feel drawn to it doesn't matter if it's polished or if it is pointy if it's one point if it's 50 it doesn't matter mm-hmm. go with your gut and they always the say right that crystal you, will come to you yeah and they always say that when you go into it because i love i just love going into a crystal shop and and i never know and they say could just pick the one that you feel drawn to which is kind of more confusing <laughs> sometimes but okay so you get a crystal and then a quartz crystal and then what do you do with it uh first you need to cleanse it mm. because you can expect that many people held that crystal in their hand so the energy of other people is also in it so you will just hold it under running water for a few minutes to clear it out mm-hmm. and then you can lay it in the light of the full moon if you like i honestly never do that mm-hmm. uh, And then, yeah, I highly recommend taking it to bed Mm -hmm. because when you're sleeping, your conscious mind is out and your subconscious mind says, yes, finally, Mm -hmm. we're getting somewhere. Mm -hmm. So then with your conscious mind comes the fear, the fear of what happens. Does some memory come up? Do I have to go through this again? So when you're sleeping, you don't have to. This is not happening or rarely that you have a dream about an incident. Mm -hmm. I guess it depends on how severe the trauma was, how much you healed already, and things like that. Mm. So, but yeah, just take, put it in your hand, doesn't matter which one, hold it in your hand and go to sleep. Easy enough. Okay. And we can do that. <laughs> All right. And what do you yeah. want to make sure everybody knows before we wrap up? I want everybody to know that trauma healing is possible. You just have to find the right approach. 
you know, and I, I love that you shared how many different approaches there are. There are so many. And again, it really comes down to finding, finding the approach that works for you. And it's never one thing. And let's say, you know, talk therapy is helpful. Well, that's great. But somatic therapy is important too, because this, this stuff gets lodged in the cells and then something, you know, along the lines of spirituality, whether that's right, you know, you're pursuing a Reiki or, or, um, numerology or crystals or whatever it is, meditation, yoga, breathing, anything, find what works yep. for you. Absolutely. So Sandra, I, exactly. want to thank you. I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story and for uh, really showing everybody how possible healing is. I think you gave us so many great ideas and insights and um, I just want to thank you for your time. Oh, you're very welcome. I really enjoyed it. I love how Sandra gave us those practical tools and I'm so getting a quartz crystal. I mean, how easy is that and what a great use of your time to heal while you're sleeping. Stay in touch with Sandra by going to riseaboveyourstory.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. I never heard of traumatic incident reduction, TIR, which is an evidence-based modality and I love learning about another possible way to get that trauma out of the body for good. Trauma lodges within the cells and it's it often takes a few different types of therapy to release it. And keeping that trauma within you is a recipe for stress-related symptoms, illnesses, conditions, disease. So to see to what extent you may be struggling with post-betrayal syndrome, take the quiz at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.